This is the 411 from 406. My name is Chewy, and I am joined once again by my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir? I'm excited. I'm happy to be back here, man. It feels like uh, it feels like it's been a long time since we've had an opportunity to do this. Well, it, it has, right? I mean, the, the last time we podcasted together was actually in your basement. So that, that was, uh, and that's that's several weeks ago. That was for the Rumble, right? Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like it's some form of punishment to uh, to have finally gotten to do a live podcast after all these years. And then, of course, we uh, were, were sidelined for another couple of weeks until we can get back together. But yeah, yeah. And, and, and part of that, and I will admit that that is my fault. We were all set and scheduled to, to podcast. Was it last week or maybe the week before? And and I had some health issues that I was dealing with. So um, uh, but I'm, I'm glad to say that I'm kind of back on the mend here and uh and we'll and we'll throw one together, even even though this is a is a little bit of an abnormal one because I'm I'm not at home. I'm out and about. So, <laughs> well, where are you at tonight? What are you doing right now? I'm sitting in the parking lot of a McDonald's. Uh, my my <laughs> oldest son, <laughs> my oldest son is at a basketball practice, and so I'm about forty minutes from home. And uh, Pip said that we we've been talking, and he said, uh, "Hey, let, you know, we we we've been talking about podcasting." And I said, nope, fuck it. Like, like, we'll make it happen. It doesn't matter where I am. So I'm, I'm mobile right now, but, uh, but I'm sitting in the McDonald's parking lot right now. You were dedicated to your craft, my friend. And I appreciate that because talking to myself just is not nearly as much fun. Right. I hear you. I, I do. I, I talk to myself far too often. So. Oh, sure. Same here. <laughs> but it's not fun. No, it's not. It's not. So how, how, uh, how have you been? Been, been well, I hope? Yeah, everything here is pretty good. Uh, I mean, work is crazy, uh, but I guess that's a good thing because it means I've got a job, so I can't complain about that. The weather has been really abnormal, up and down. We've had some 20-degree days, but like Saturday, which, you know, today's Thursday, the 3rd as of recording this, by Saturday, it's going to be like 70 degrees, which is just insane. It's no wonder that people are getting sick all the time because the weather just keeps fluctuating from, you know, hot to cold and maybe not hot, but at least cold and warm. It's enough to get everybody uh, all spun up. But yeah, I mean, other than that, everything is, everything's great. Just, uh, just happy that it's March. I've I've declared February my least favorite month of the entire year. So coming off the, uh, coming off that month and coming into March where, where spring is on the horizon makes me really happy. I would agree with you. February sucks balls, like in, in many, many ways, it's, it's cold, it's gray, it's rainy, it's snowy. I agree. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of March because it means kind of the, the spring is coming. doesn't mean that, that the weather's going to be perfect, but, but like you, I think it's supposed to be like 68 or 69 degrees here this weekend in Cleveland. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Which is, which is really, really even unseasonably warm for, uh, for early March. Without for any further ado, why don't we get into it? Yes. And I and I, I will let you kind of describe. This was kind of the, your genesis, so I'll let you I'll let you describe what we're talking about tonight. 
Yeah. So I, I like to try to have topics that are topical, if you will. And this one is no exception. So in honor of the, uh, again, this is March 3rd, the day that we're recording this podcast. And as of March 4th, it will be the official opening of The Batman, which is the new Batman movie that comes out in the DC universe, featuring uh, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell, and Paul Dano, I believe is his name. And by all accounts, it's supposed to be a great movie. It got really, really strong word of mouth and reviews so far. And I can't wait to see it. I'm really excited from the minute the initial trailer dropped. I was really fired up to see this movie. So I thought in honor of a new DC movie coming out this weekend that I'm excited to see, which hasn't happened in a while, that we would go back and do a top five of our favorite DC movies. But there is a hitch to this because I knew I know you and you know me. And we know each other well enough to know that The Dark Knight was going to be the number one on both of our lists. And we've talked about Absolutely. that movie enough. It's going to be a bit of a snooze fest to hear us recap that again. So tonight's list is the top five DC movies that are not The Dark Knight. So The Dark Knight is not allowed on our list anywhere in the top five because it's the understood champion right now. And so, uh, so I thought that's kind of where we'd start. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and I and I even went one further. I excluded Nolan's entire trilogy. Yes, Dark Knight absolutely would have been at the top of this list, hands down, no questions asked. And 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 again, I, I wanted to see a couple of other kind of maybe maybe movies that you might not expect on my list. So I just excluded the entire trilogy. Okay. Well, that's exciting. I, I think there'll be a couple obvious ones on mine. I'm hopeful that there's a couple that you or, or our vast group of listeners won't see coming, but you know we'll see how it all works out. All right, so we're off and, uh, off and running. I, would you like to go first, or would you, do you want me to go first this evening? I, you know what? I think you gave me the honors last time. I'm going to give you the honors tonight, so okay. give me your number five on your favorite DC movie list. All right, my number five DC films that are not a Dark Knight or not Nolan in my case uh, is a 1980 film. It was directed by Richard Lester, and it was written by Mario Puzo of the Godfather fame. But this is Superman 2. Superman 2 was a film that... Now, obviously, I had known of Superman. You know, Superman is you know, probably one of the, the first superheroes that any of us ever know. He came out in the 40s or 30s or what have you. This was the film, though, that where I fell in love with Superman, even even more so than the original. The, the villains are better in this one. The I think the story is better in this one. And then, of course, there's there's the entire kind of Richard Donner saga that, you know, way more about than I ever will. This film is awesome. It holds up really, really well, regardless of which version of that film you you see, I think I love the fact that it shows the the human side, for lack of a better term, of, of Clark Kent. You know, he, he has to make a really serious choice in here between kind of being the son of Krypton and, and being being a man. Right. And having relationships and love this film. It holds up really, really well. I come back to it regularly. Superman 2 from 1982. Superman 2 is such a fantastic movie. And I would say that one of the things that I like the most about this movie is that it really did a great job of escalating itself from the previous story. So Superman one, you know, it's, it's Superman versus Lex Luthor and Superman two 
we escalate this to three bad guys, all that have the same powers that Kal-El has, which is, it's just fantastic how they did that. And, and yeah, I am a little bit of a scholar under the, uh, the history of the Superman movies as it relates to Richard Donner and his directing. He, he basically was brought on board to do the first two movies back to back, which at that time was an incredible rarity. These days, you know, they sign people with options for sequels or they'll just commit to filming multiple movies back to back. But that didn't happen in the late 70s or early 80s. And so Richard Donner did the first one, had a fallout with the Salkins, which are the, the producers of the Superman movie. And eventually they got Richard Lester to come in and do 51% of the footage so that he could get the director's credits for that. I thought it was a great movie as a kid. I, I would have rather have seen Richard Donner's vision, but this movie is good. It does a lot of really good things. And I, I, I'm a big fan of it. Couldn't agree more. I love all the bits with uh, Superman and Lois, or I should say Clark and Lois when she finds out who he is and all of that and him getting his powers back. The scene at the end when he gets his powers back, but nobody knows and he takes Zod's hand and he just squeezes it and he goes, oh, and then the music kicks in. John Williams fanfare just, oh my God, like I get chills every single time I see it and think about it. it it's fantastic. So yeah, I strongly, strongly agree with that pick. Awesome. What, uh, what do you got for your number five, sir? All right. So my number five kind of breaks the rules of this list that I thought I had created in my own head. I've been fairly outspoken on this podcast and to my friends, because nobody else wants to hear me about my distaste for Zack Snyder's take on the DC universe. And I just haven't liked anything that he's done until I realized there was one movie that he did that I did really like. And that was the 2009 movie, The Watchmen, which he did direct and is a DC property. So just to kind of recap a little bit, we're not doing just the Snyderverse movies or the DC movies. We're doing anything with the DC logo on it. So Zack Snyder did The Watchmen. It came out in 2009. Billy Crudup, uh, Mullen Ackerman, Jackie Earl Haley, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Patrick Wilson, really solid cast. And I remember seeing this movie in the theaters and being really blown away because this was the first R-rated comic book movie that I think we had seen at this point. I might be wrong about that. I think you're right. I think, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Deadpool was after this. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. you're right. I think this would have been the first one. Yeah. I want to say that it was. And in that sense, it was really a new territory to explore with comics. And, you know, it had... a pretty graphic violence it had a sex scene in it with nudity like it was just it was it was definitely uh the next version of comic book movies it was a long one too it was like two and a half hours almost but i liked it it was a little bit long it was from a story perspective like they could have cut a lot out of it for sure but i just really appreciated the introduction into this universe that really was more of an alternate reality than what we we're used to in terms of, I think in that, in that story, you know, Richard Nixon is still the president and uh, we, I think we win the Vietnam war or something like that. Like there's all kinds of different sort of twists to the reality that we know today and, and how these superheroes are introduced and the very dark world that surrounds them. And I, I just thought it was really good. It was really interesting and something very fresh. So that's my number five. Yeah, it's, it's an outstanding pick. Um, you know, it was it's actually based on an, a, an Alan Moore graphic novel by the same name, which which I had actually I I 
kind of fell in love with that graphic novel way, way back in the day. And, and it was when it originally came out, it was, it came out in issue format and it was a, it was this, the, the general story is very, very similar, but there's, there's some pretty significant differences. And I, I remember when this, when the trailer for this came out, I was like, are they really going to be able to make Watchmen into a watchable movie? And they absolutely nailed it. It's, this is an outstanding movie. Again, another one that holds up really, really well. There's there's a ton of kind of Cold War Soviet Union stuff in there, which you know just based on all the bullshit going on in today's world is is very very topical. But yeah, couldn't agree more. This is a great flick. Great flick. Love Watchmen. Yeah, and I, I just really am still enamored with the cast. I think that they did such a good job uh, putting Billy Crudup in there as uh, Doctor Manhattan. Uh, yeah, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach was fantastic. Patrick Wilson, who I'm a fan of and almost everything he does. I, I just I thought they did such a good job with that because it was all very subtle. Like they didn't get any A-list or I mean, in 2009, I don't know that these guys were even B-list actors at the time. Uh, they were yeah. names and faces that people kind of recognized. Billy Crudup was an almost famous and, and a lot of other stuff. But I mean, they didn't go with any huge star power with this movie, which I thought was really cool. No, they, they really didn't. And, you know, I think the one of the, the main things about this flick that was that was different, certainly different then, is these characters, even the quote unquote superheroes, they all had flaws. And that was something that up until that point in superhero movies just wasn't the case. Right. Like up until 2009, you know, you really you had Batman, you had Superman, you had Spider-Man, but yeah. you, you didn't really have any heroes that had that were anti-heroes or had any flaws really in every single one of these characters had a bunch of flaws oh so, yeah. yeah i mean no. jeffrey yeah. jeffrey dean morgan's character i believe his name was the comedian i mean he he practically r- raped somebody so i mean yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's pretty heavy and it's not at all your typical movie but that's what i really liked about it yeah if you have not read the book i would suggest you go back and read the book it's really really good i've heard it's really good y- yeah especially since you like the movie yeah all right um, give me your number four Okay, my number four is is again a kind of a kind of a topical film. It is a um, it's a two thousand and I believe two thousand and five. It is a dystopian political action film. Again, it was based on a comic book by, ironically enough, Alan Moore. This is V for Vendetta. This film, this is where I came to know Hugo Weaving. I think this was you know pre Matrix and what have you. No, I guess it wasn't. Now that I think about it, this is a a dystopian English flick is the best way I can describe it. You know, the quote unquote hero, the anti-hero in it, he wears the Guy Fox mask. He is really kind of raging against the system. He's raging against the government. It's, it is certainly an action movie, but there's a lot of political discourse that goes into this movie as well. What he's essentially doing is attempting to ignite a revolution against his government. Natalie Portman is in it as well. It's a deep, dark flick that you really kind of need to pay attention to to get the most out of it, especially as I get older. I really, really enjoy this flick. This um, screenplay for this one was actually by the Wachowskis. There's a, there's a lot of kind of big name, bigger names in this one than Watchmen, but uh, a- absolutely love this flick, and I, I revisit it often. That's a really interesting choice, and I'm glad that you put it on here because that's not one that I would have expected and certainly not one that I would even remember being a DC property specifically. But I, And I can honestly admit, I think I've only seen this movie once, and I really don't remember it very much, but I, I thought it was good. I, I, I don't have any bad memories specifically of it, 
it didn't really do for me what I would have expected or hoped that a Wachowski's movie would have done just because they, sure. they were pretty fresh off the matrix at that point. In fact, Oh geez. I don't know. I'd have to go look at the timing of everything. I know the first matrix movie came out in 99, but they probably did V for Vendetta right around the time that the third movie was coming out. If I had to take a guess, but yeah, that's a really solid choice. And, and Hugo Weaving is a fantastic actor. And obviously Natalie Portman has all her accolades and has done a lot of really good stuff as well. What, uh, what do you got for number four, sir? My number four, I think, may be a little bit out of nowhere, just because I doubt you and I have ever talked about this movie. It doesn't come as any surprise that there will be a Batman movie on my list, but this is not the kind of Batman movie that I would typically expect to see. Uh, this is Lego Batman uh, from 2017, the animated movie. This movie is so fucking good. And it was a huge surprise to me because I watched this and I'm not a big Lego guy, but I watched this movie and I was stunned by how wide and vast this universe was and how meticulous they were about pulling in everything from every aspect of Batman's world. They, they referenced the, all the movies that were in it. I mean, the, the casting is just, it's nuts. I mean, it's got Will Arnett. It's got Zach Galifianakis. It's got Michael Sarah, Rosario Dawson, Ray Fiennes, Mariah Carey is in it. Billy D. Williams reprises his role as Two-Face from Tim Burton's Batman, Conan O'Brien. And then I just found out this when I was doing my research. Do you know who the voice for Catwoman was? Catwoman and Lego Batman. I don't. No, I, no. It was Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Oh, is was who, it? Oh, nice. She plays, she plays the Catwoman in this new Batman movie. So she so, is reprising her, her role as Catwoman. She's reprising in the other direction. Yeah, she originated you know, her presence in the Batman universe in 2017, and she's coming back. Obviously, this is not a continuation of that character, but I thought that was a really interesting bit of trivia. But it's such a fun movie, and it, it does so many references to all the other movies and all the other characters, and it's just, it's funny. It's so lighthearted. Will Arnett is brilliant as Batman. I think he was Batman in the original Lego movie, and then they gave him his own. There was rumors of a, of a sequel for a long time, and for whatever reason, it, it never happened, which I thought was really disappointing. But at the same time, uh, these days, I'm, a, I'm good with one and done. Like, I don't need any more. Uh, so yeah, Lego Batman. That's my uh, number four. That's awesome. I'm I'm uh, I'm really glad you put that on here because you're right. Th these Lego movies are really really good. I'll be honest with you; like it never even crossed my mind. But I'm glad I'm glad you put it on here because I I agree with everything you said on here. I think to me, Will Arnett is the standout of the Lego Batman that the the Lego Batman universe. Um, he he's awesome in that character. You know, obviously he's he's bringing a lot more humor to the character than than other iterations of Batman. But uh, yeah, that's a great call. It's a great it, call. It is infinitely rewatchable. I mean, anytime yeah. that it's on or I mean, that's one of the few movies I would probably buy just so I have access to it anytime that I really want it. No, that's awesome. OK, so my number three is uh, is actually a film that we've already talked about. It's 2009's Watchmen. Like, like I said, love this flick. What I really enjoy about this flick, and I've already mentioned it, the fact that these characters are flawed. Characters in here, you know, the big bad of Ozymandias, he essentially has, he's kind of the Thanos of this world, for lack of a better term. He's, he's kind of the big bad. He's not looking to kill everybody, but, he's, but he has, 
here's here's the parallel between him and Thanos. He feels that he's doing the right thing. He feels he is just in what he's doing. So he's not he's not an evil guy in in his mind, right? And Thanos wasn't either. I think the standout kind of character-wise uh, is the Jackie Earl Haley character of Rorschach. He's got a very, uh, you know, his mask is super iconic. The, the, my Probably my favorite scene in there is the when he's busting out of prison. There's a prison break scene, and he actually is fighting a guy in there, and he, somebody's picking a fight with him in the lunch line, and he crashes through the lunch line, and he gets a, a, um, a vat of boiling oil, and he throws it on the guy. I mean, it's just, and it's just, it's brutal. The whole film, it's violent, it's gory. It's just a rough film to watch. And and um, it, it kind of evokes, at least in my mind, kind of that Kill Bill type of violence where it's it's that hyper, there's a little bit of slow-mo, there's a little bit of, it, you know, it's a, it's um, it's clearly a Zack Snyder movie when you look at it, right? You, you just kind of know what it is. Lo- just love this film. Yeah, I mean, obviously I agree because I had it on my list. You had it a little bit higher, but I think that that's awesome. It's it's a good flick. kind of wish they would have made a sequel, but I, what I will say, and I meant to mention this earlier, they made a one-season television show of The Watchmen that appeared on HBO Max, and it was absolutely amazing. It was really, was it? really, really good. In fact, it was better than the movie, in my opinion, because they had more time to take some of these stories and stretch them out a little bit. So I don't know if you or any of our listeners have HBO Max, but I would highly recommend putting The Watchmen in your queue and watching that movie because, or watching that show because it is really, really solid. Cool. No, I actually, yeah, I never, I actually never did watch it. I've heard nothing but good things about it. So I'll, yeah, I'll definitely go take a look at it. All right, sir. What, uh, what do you got for number three? So number three is going to, going to be the point where we start to tread in the familiar territory. And I know that I've talked about this movie on this podcast before, and that's why I had to ask you earlier, have, have we done this top five for DC? Because I know that I've brought this movie up many times. This was a movie that when it came out, I had never heard of this movie or this character and didn't know anything about it, went into it 100% blind. It came out a huge fan and it's 2005's Constantine by uh, Francis Lawrence was the director. And of course, it stars Keanu Reeves, who, you know, does little wrong in my book, or at least, uh, you know, <laughs> when, when he stays in his swim lanes, he's, he's pretty fantastic. Rachel Wise, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Tilda Swinton, really good cast, really good people in this. But I just really love this story. I think it's really fascinating that this is a comic book character that is involved in demonology and things like that. And that's a pretty sketchy subject to take on, especially in comics. I I know that this was a series of comics that, you know, you didn't find on the shelf necessarily right next to Superman or Batman. It was, it was a different sort of brand of, of comics. I never read any of them, unfortunately, but the, the movie itself was just fantastic. I, there was a lot of criticism about how they took the character of John Constantine and replaced him with the Keanu Reeves guy, which is, you know, this American character, whereas he was more of a Billy Idol flavored character in the comics. He was this British guy with short, spiky blonde hair and things like that. So, but this, it it was just really fun. And and the scene at the end when he finally meets the devil is just one of my favorite scenes ever. And it's so good. And 
Yeah, I just can't get enough of it. I was hoping and praying that they would make a sequel. And I know that Keanu's gone on record saying he would love to do it. Man, I wish they would. I don't think they will. I don't think this made enough money for anybody to really care about it, especially in comparison to its peers in the comic book world. Uh, it's it's not a, a super lucrative property, but yeah, Constantine, 2005, that was my number three. That's awesome. And I have to say, it's it's really interesting that this is the third movie or third property that was created by Alan Moore. So this is another one, Alan Moore. So obviously he created Watchmen. I didn't know that. V for Vendetta. Yeah. And this is another Alan Moore film as well, or uh, cool. create creation as well. Yeah. So yeah. Co- Constantine is one that I probably have only seen once or maybe twice way back when it came out. I, I have fond memories of it. Every once in a while, I'll be thinking about a Keanu Reeves performance and, and it's this one that I'm thinking about, right? And, and I just, I kind of forget about it. It's certainly not the most iconic of his roles, I don't think, at least in my book. But, but he did, a, but he played it really, really well. And again, it's, and I think one of the things that we're, that we've shown in this, in this podcast is some of the, some of the characters and some of the stories that we, that we really are gravitating to are the non-traditional superhero you know, the, you've got Constantine, you've got the Watchmen, you got V for Vendetta, those kind of things. I, I have a feeling we're going to see some some of the more traditional DC superheroes in, in the next four or five picks here. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it's an outstanding pick. So, sir, your number two. My number two, and again, now we're going we're getting into the more traditional superheroes. My number two is a 1992 flick. It is none other than. Batman Returns. I am a huge fan of this version of Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman. You've got Danny DeVito in here in an absolutely outstanding role, in my opinion, as the Penguin. I'm not a huge fan of the way the Penguin looks in this film necessarily, but the way he acts is just perfect. Danny DeVito has the the uh, the maniacal part of the penguin down to a T, in my opinion. In fact, he's even better than you know most people when they think of penguin. They think of the you know the '66 version of penguin with the cigarette and this, that, and the other thing. Michelle Pfeiffer looking absolutely ridiculously hot as the Catwoman. Just an amazing film. I I love. 1992's Batman Returns. I think that's a really great choice because the obvious choice is to go with the original Batman, but this second one I think was very polarizing for a lot of people and a lot of fans of this franchise because it definitely got a lot darker, but it was cast really well and I thought it was a good continuation of the original story. Danny DeVito did great, Michelle Pfeiffer did great, Christopher Walken it was it was fun. It was sad to see the Michael Keaton Batman era come to a halt at this point, because I would have liked to have seen him more times, especially with some of the villains that they had yet to address. But yeah, this this movie picks up right where the first one left off. And it was really, really solid. And I think a lot of people think that this one is the best one of the Michael Keaton ones, which to me is really interesting. But yeah, that's it's a brave choice. I like it. Thank you. All right, sir. What do you got for your number two? 
Well, not to stray too far from your pick, but uh, my number two was actually 1989's Batman, uh, which is probably my favorite of the Batman movies overall. Uh, well, you know, since we can't include Dark Knight, I don't know who made that dumbass rule, but that's where we are. But yes, obviously, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger, Robert Wall. I think the history of this movie is really interesting. This was the the really the biggest comic book movie to come out since the original Superman or maybe since the Superman 2. But it really took a huge chance because Batman's never really been on film before, unless you want to count the Adam West version that you know came out many years before this but this movie really took a different approach to batman it made it a lot darker they put him in a in a black suit they uh they cast jack nicholson who was the star of the movie basically he was the one he that received top billing for this movie and it was really again the second coming of all the comic book movies and this the soundtrack was amazing it was obviously done by prince very famously and Danny Elfman's score shouldn't go unnoticed as well. It's still one that is in my rotation when I listen to music scores. It is really solid from top to bottom. And uh, I mean, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. Like before Heath Ledger did what he did, nobody in a million years thought that they could top what he did. And it was a very different kind of Joker. It was much more of a comic booky type, if you will. You know, one that's that's sort of maniacal and insane and laughing all the time but he was fantastic. It was such a good movie. So that's my number two. And I will just kind of continue the praise for Batman 89, because that's my number one. I love this flick. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's any surprise. Batman is probably my all time favorite superhero. Joker is probably my all time favorite super villain. And I, I can remember in, in the summer of 1989, when this flick was coming out, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm going to sound like Kevin Smith here for a minute, because I remember it the same way that he did, where you would see that billboard and it was just the bat signal and the bat sig- and that that insignia. It was everywhere. And every time I saw it, I got goosebumps and I was just so pumped. But at the time before I saw this movie, I was worried, too, right, because. The, you're right. The only kind of Batman that we had on uh, video film at that point was the Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman 66, right? Which was super campy and super, you know, it was just, I mean, it was, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't Batman. And what Michael Keaton did with this role, not only in the role of Batman, but also in the role of Bruce Wayne, I think he played both of those characters because i do think that they are really distinctly two different characters batman and bruce wayne yes it's the same person but i mean he just did an amazing job with both versions if i had to pick one actor that did both of the both halves of that character the best i would i would say it's michael keaton i think there are some people that have done bruce wayne better and some people that might have done batman better but for one single actor doing them both. I, I don't think you can beat uh, Michael Keaton. I'm actually really excited. I know he's, he's playing Batman again in an upcoming film, right? Yep. That's correct. He's going to be in this new flash movie. And of course they're doing multiverse stuff and time travel and all that. So somehow Michael Keaton's Batman does come back and make somewhat of an appearance in this movie. And I couldn't be more excited about it. 
I can't, I cannot fucking wait to see him don the cowl again. But you're right. I mean, the Joker took a leap forward like we have really never seen before and didn't see again until Heath Ledger did it again. I, I just, I can't say enough about this. It just, it, this really, this film right here was the one that made me fall in love with comic book movies. Yeah. Well, the neat, the great thing about Batman and, and the Joker is that they're pretty evenly matched in, in all senses, right? Like they're, they're both really smart. I mean, I guess maybe they're not both as physically on the same level, but you know, the idea is if they're fighting, you, you believe that it's going to be a fair fight or not a fair fight, but you believe it's going to be a good fight. And right. I, I think that that is different from things like Superman, because obviously Superman is completely overpowered. There's no way in a million years that Lex Luthor could could do anything to kill Superman. I mean, obviously, he's got the brains and that's a whole nother debate. But I really think that the Joker and Batman are a good yin yang to each other, if you will. So yeah. you know, they're, they're both different sides of a very similar coin. And that's that's a common trope of a lot of Batman stories and jokers like hey we're not really that different you and me we just sort of took slightly different paths somewhere along the way and and you know this movie does a really good job of kickstarting everybody's interest in that rivalry again and I think that's great yeah absolutely all right sir what do you got for number one Lay it on me. My number one is of no surprise. It is uh, what you would probably expect. It is the other superhero that everybody knows and loves. It is Superman. It is the original Superman, the movie from 1975. Director Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando, Jackie Cooper, Glenn Ford, amongst many others. You know, this movie was an interesting movie for me to watch when I was a kid because I was definitely bored by a good chunk of this movie when I was a young kid. It is. I was yeah. bored, bored to tears. I, I fast forwarded to the part where he got a suit uh, all the time. And as I got older, I and started appreciating the craft of acting and directing and all of that and started rewatching this movie from the beginning. I earned an entirely new appreciation of it and the scenes in the beginning with Brando and the scenes with Glenn Ford while Superman is a teenager where, where Clark Kent is a teenager and he's growing up and all that. They are so good, if not even better than the Superman flavored stuff that comes later in the movie. But there are really three distinct acts to this movie. The first one is on Krypton. The second one was when he's a teenager. And the third one is when he moves to Metropolis and gets his job at the Daily Planet and, and becomes what we know as Superman. And I just, it's a masterpiece in my mind. It is absolutely brilliant. It's two hours long, which is crazy for a comic book movie, especially in 1975. But it was so good. I remember being just absolutely terrified and could hardly watch at that scene at the end where Lois dies in the earthquake and all of that. And oh, uh, it was terrible. It was, it was so, it just yeah. emotionally, I was wrecked after seeing that. It was terrifying because there's the scene when he finds her and she's dead and he looks up in the sky and he shoots up in the sky and he screams into the camera and it's so loud. And it's this really, really jarring scene that it's just crazy. But and, you know, the ending is a little bit too much is that's the one part that I have a lot of trouble with for, you know, turning the world backwards to reverse time just seems like a, a really goofy plot contrivance that I don't like. But ultimately, like I can let it go because the rest of the movie to me is so much fun. And I, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the absolutely iconic score by my hero, John Williams, who uh, recently amazing. had his 90th birthday. 
he uh I, I think maybe front to back it's my favorite score of all time I, I think i could listen to that whole score and watch the movie in my head and it's just so all the fanfare and the brass it's so anthemic and it's just amazing it takes my breath away anytime i hear it and so that's why i gave superman the top slot on my top five dc movies that aren't the dark knight yeah again i mean i i can't i can't disagree with that i i you know i didn't i didn't put it on my list but i cannot disagree with that it it is if if Batman is the is the superhero that made me fall in love with the genre, then then this movie is the one that introduced me to the genre. You know, yes, I, I clearly had read comic books and I knew who Superman was. But yeah, I mean, Christopher Reeve is Superman, right? I mean, he, he is it, it's an iconic role. You're right. When it when it comes to John Williams, uh, I mean, th- there really isn't a better score out there. Yes, there is that, that that little wonky scene in there where he where he turns time back, and I and I've never been a big fan of the um, where they're flying over Metropolis and holding hands and that kind of lovey dovey scene. But whatever, it is what it is. Even even great movies have shitty scenes in them. But uh, but I I can't disagree. It's a, it's an outstanding movie. And and you know what? I actually showed my children, my older two boys, Superman early in the pandemic, so probably two years ago now, and. It's yeah, it is really slow, but God damn, it holds up for somebody in our age bracket. It holds up so, so well. It's it really is just an amazing flick. Movies back in the mid 70s and late 70s, they really took their time to develop stories. You know, if you think about Superman or Jaws or movies like that, like they're not fast paced like today's movies are. And when you really take the time to sit down and appreciate the story that's being told. I think you just get so much more from that experience because a movie is nothing without a good story, in my opinion. And uh, that movie, although it's, it's a long winded story, that movie tells a really great story written, of course, as you mentioned, yeah. by Mario Puzo, who is also very well known for the Godfather. Now he didn't write the story that would become this movie. He started it and then it got many rewrites and then eventually became the movie that we know but because of his involvement and, of course, his relationship with Marlon Brando, I think they used that as a, um, you know, uh, something to uh, advertise the movie with. Well, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad they did. I'm glad Brando was in here. The Brando pieces of this flick, they're so short and they're so small, but they're some of my favorite pieces of this movie. I, I just I really enjoy that those those very few moments between a father and son and a father that's doing what he knows he has to do to ensure his son's survival it, it just it, and it really it just hits home even differently now as a parent than it did obviously when i was when i was growing up watching it yeah just an outstanding flick and it adds so much gravitas with marlon brando being in that and to be honest that was my first exposure to marlon brando and i didn't know anything about him until i saw that movie but there he his performance although very brief is so powerful that it didn't take me long to realize that this guy was the reason that this movie got made it's because he signed on for it. So, hey, we made it. And, and I do have to say one thing that I noticed when I was doing my research, 
there's a lot fewer DC movies than there are Marvel movies. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, there's, there's 20 some MCU movies, but just kind of, as I was going through doing my research, I was just struck by the fact that there just isn't nearly as many, or, or I guess there aren't as many as I thought there was going to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we'd have done this top five list before 2008, I don't think we'd have much to talk about, to be honest, right, because right. Uh, yeah. there are no Marvel movies before then, or at least there aren't any of any significance other than a couple tries at the Hulk or something like that. But yeah, I mean, Marvel just came out of the gate. They had one huge success and then they just blew the universe up from that point. I, I think the interesting thing about DC is they just don't have as many characters or maybe it doesn't seem like they do because they just haven't had the success with their movies to branch as far as marvel has yeah. i mean marvel's universe is filled with people that i never heard of before these movies came out like doctor strange and ant-man and things like that and those are even those are still good movies but i mean the dc universe is still pretty tightly wrapped around superman batman wonder woman uh you know and those characters aquaman i guess you know yeah, once yeah, once you once you get outside the Justice League when you're talking DC, it falls off pretty quickly in terms of the the cinematic universe. And I think that's I think you're right. I think that's one of the things that Marvel did just really an outstanding job of of really expanding beyond the Avengers, right? There there's characters outside of the original Avengers that that you really care about now and you're really looking forward to. And I mean, even, even when you're talking about Avengers and, and we talked about this on a previous podcast, the fact that they came out of the gate with Iron Man, which was a character that up until that movie, nobody really gave a fuck, you know, like, I mean, yeah, he was a character, he was a comic, yeah. but the, the, the non comic book movie goer probably didn't really have any sort of reverence for the Iron Man character. No, before, before, uh, Downey Jr. put on that suit. Yeah, and he wasn't exactly making $50 million a picture at that point either. So no. there were a lot of really crazy risks that the studio and John Favreau kind of took upon their shoulders. And obviously for Favreau, it's paid off considerably. And hey, obviously yeah. for the studio, it has too, because we've seen right. more than 20 movies since then. So it's it's been a good... Uh, here we go. See, we're talking about DC and then we still slip in Marvel. Just, <laughs> just to remind everybody that Marvel uh, fucking crushes DC every chance they get. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I shouldn't have brought it up. So. <laughs> well, that's fair. True, but fair. All right. Well, hey, uh, on that note, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll put a bow on this one. Uh, I, I'm really glad that we did this. I'm pumped to go see Batman. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see it this weekend. My wife is actually going to be out of town. And so I'm, I'm not sure if I'll be able to get all three boys to go to the movie. I can't imagine I'd want to take my little guy to to this one. But um, I'm, uh, I certainly will see it as quickly as I can. How, are you, got, you got plans to see it? Not definitively. I'm trying to work it in before I have a work trip next week, but I definitely think if we can make it happen the next time we podcast, we need to revisit this and see if this movie works its way maybe into our respective top fives. What are we going to boot if we uh, if we like this movie so much that it ends up on this list? Oh, there you go. I don't know. Well, hey, we, we, we will revisit that in short order here, my friend. I promise uh, it, we won't uh, we won't have to wait too terribly long to get that podcast on the docket. All right. Uh, that being said, my name is Chewy. I have been joined once again by Mr. Pip, and this is the 411 from 406. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good evening. Adios.